All right. Recently, my wife and I have been enjoying puzzles together. Any puzzlers in the in the house? Okay. I'd be curious. I don't know if I have the survey right now to do an overlap between. good? We're good. I can feel that. Got a thumbs up in the back. And scene. Let's start over. Recently, my wife and I have been doing a lot of puzzles. That's basically what I was trying to say. <laughs> and it's, it's just kind of like our current attempt to spend more time together, to get off our screens more, you know, just to slow ourselves down and enjoy the moment together. And let me tell you, there are a few things more satisfying than working on a puzzle. Maybe you've been working on them all day, all week, all weekend, whatever. And you, you get to that final puzzle piece, and it finally fits. And you're like, oh. that video on the left that you guys are looking at is me at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> the picture on the right was at like 8 p.m. when we were kind of working through it, and Christine took a picture of me. And... It, you know, it was just, it was one of those moments, and you put that final piece in. She went to bed, like, hours ago, and I had to take a video just to show her, like, babe, we did it, and I don't want you to miss out on the feeling of seeing that final piece go into that final slot. And it just got me thinking that, like, these puzzles sometimes are very similar to our general feeling or outlook on life, and it feels like a lot of times there's just something it's not complete. And I don't know if you feel this at all at the end of a year where it feels like maybe there's nothing inherently wrong necessarily, but it, I want to make this like New Year's resolution or this big change because it just feels like I'm at the end of the year and, and I, I want to feel satisfied with who I am. I want to get closer to this point of success or I want to make my life complete somehow it wasn't perfect last year. It, was, it didn't exactly go to plan. So what am I going to do? What's that one thing that I'm going to change that's going to finally be that final puzzle piece? Um, you know, I think when I was younger, there were some things that I wanted to make sure that were part of my life that really, I don't think I was consciously doing it at the time, right? You know, as a kid, it's like, man, sports is a big deal because it helps me feel validated. It helps me have a sense of belonging. Um, you know, academic uh, success made me feel validated, like, man, people respect me for how good my grades are. You know, and even on a darker side as a kid, there was, you know, I, I got exposed to pornography, and it was this thing that emotionally felt like a safe haven um, where I could at least, there was somebody, right? And this, it was just so twisted, and it was just like these broken pieces trying to be that missing piece. You know, and as I've gotten older, it's kind of disguised itself into more mature or more acceptable things. But, you know, you, you have your things like workaholism. You have your things like people-pleasing because I'm trying to get a sense of belonging, trying to get a sense of, um, um, man, what is it going to take for that final piece to, to complete me? I, I need validation from somebody. I need, I need validation from a score. I need validation from a, a review. I need validation from something to just finally say, okay, you, you did it. You're good enough. And, and just the subtle shift is, as we get older, it's just a more professional painting sometimes of the same picture. Um, and I want to get 
to the end of a year like this one where I go, no, 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 it was complete the whole time. But I think a lot of times we get to this point, we reflect on who we wanted to be, and inevitably, because Satan hates you, he's peppering you with thoughts like, you don't fit in, you're not, you're not going to be good on your own, you know, uh, you're not worthy, no one really respects you, you don't do enough, your needs don't really matter that much, you're making a big deal of them, right? Just settle for disappointment and meeting your own needs. People are there just to let you down. And so you need to find a different thing to make that perfect fit, that there's still something out there you haven't tried yet or haven't done. But if you did it, that would be the secret. There's a missing piece that you still need to find it. You need to discover the secret or else you won't be good enough. And there's just like this subtle lie under everything. Every advertisement you're going to see today for that nutritional plan, for that fitness equipment, for whatever. Satan's got this subtle lie that says like if you get that, that's the missing piece. There's this, this is the one thing you don't have yet. And so I start to feel deflated and exhausted and worthless this time of year until I come to a, a letter like this. A letter a church in Colossae, written over 2,000 years, well, almost 2,000 years ago. See, there was this heresy that was threatening the very existence of this church that Paul was writing to. It was the deceptive teaching that promised people a complete life if they just found the right secret. If they just had another bit of knowledge, if they just had a, 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 another mystery unveiled for them they'd be closer to being right with God they'd be closer to a whole life they'd be they'd be a little bit closer uh, I heard a quote from Louis Giglio he said the enemy's work in the flesh is to convince you there's still something you don't there's still something more that you need to know did God really say what if you tried the other side of that? It's not really enough. There's still more. If I just figure out how to blank, then I can get my life headed in the right direction. And the, and the more that I believe that, here's the thing, the easier it is for Satan to come along and offer me false solutions. False saviors. He's going to try to keep you in the stupor of synthetic saviors until you're so stuck in his sinister kingdom that he never has to worry about you again. Right? So what would happen, Colossae, um, on a map, was somewhere in between Israel and the Western world, like Rome, Italy, all that. Okay, I don't know if we... Can we put that map up there? Colossae is like right in the middle, and so what's happening in this little new church is that there's the influence of these pagan mystical philosophies that says if you do this one more thing and if you if you uncover this new secret or if you if you discover uh, the, the 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 depths of this mystery that you don't know yet you'll unlock something of the divine and then You've got that culture intermingling with a strong Jewish population in Colossae that's saying, no, 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 you've got the Judaism going on, right? You've got the rituals, you've got the Old Testament law, and they're like, okay, here's the deal. 
I want to be closer to God. I want to get my life on track. So if I just uncover these new secrets, and, and then these rituals from Old Testament law is going to help me do that. It's going to keep me on track. It's going to be the thing that disciplines me a little bit better till I can finally present myself as a complete life. And on top of that, what you have going on is this, this dualism where it's like, okay, God is good, but there's evil in the world. What do I do with that? God's holy, he's righteous, he wants good things, but I see bad things happening constantly. How do I rationalize that? I'm sure you've heard someone ask that, maybe you've asked that. And, and the, the misconception that they, they landed on was, okay, there's evil in the world, the physical stuff is bad, the spiritual stuff is good, but I'm a physical body with a spiritual being inside. So if I can just weaken the flesh, if I can just, just discipline my body more, pretty soon I'm going to weaken the material around me to release my spirit. And eventually I'll be this elevated spirit. And God can't come in contact with humanity. God can't interact with humanity because he's perfect and holy and righteous and separate from evil, but there's so much evil down here on this earth. So God just sends his, like, these emanations, his angels and spirits to interact with humanity, but God himself remains distant. This is the worldview that, that the Colossian church is existing in. And on top of that, they're saying, okay, Jesus isn't God. He's just one of those emanations coming from God. All right? So he's, he's helpful, even inspiring, but he's not the complete way. So one of the major themes in the book of Colossians is completeness, fullness. Jesus is better than anything, any other attempt to get to a complete life, to get closer to God, to, to, to fill that void in your life. Jesus is the answer. That's kind of the, the, the book of Colossians summarized right there. He is the complete life. So there's nothing wrong with establishing a new habit. It's going to make your life better, healthier, emotionally healthier. We just spent the whole three months talking about that. But don't fall into the subtle trap that if you just change one discipline, it's going to fulfill you. It's going to make you complete. Your discipline does not make you complete. It's only Jesus who can fill that role. Right? That's on his job description, not yours. And so my, my prayer, my hope, in today's message, this month's series, is that you're going to be filled with a hope and a holy awakening that's really going to change how you view your life and renew your energy to live out your holy calling knowing that you've already been made complete. There's not more striving you have to do. It's actually just living within this, and out of that flows something quite divine. Okay? That, that's my prayer for each one of us. So, that's my intro. <laughs> Let's stand together. If you're able, would you join me? And we're going to read God's Word together. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read the first seven verses. I'll cover the rest of it later in the, te in the message. But the first seven verses of the book of Colossians goes like this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's, oh, may God our Father, 
We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this experience ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. All righty. If there was messed up slides, it's probably my fault. I put them in there, so I appreciate everything our slides. They don't get enough credit, by the way. People only notice when like, they mess up, and it's like, they didn't mess up. That was me. Okay, so let's go ahead and pray. I just wanted to let somebody off the hook this morning. But Jesus, thank you so much for your grace that is here for everybody, including this bumbling preacher. And so I just pray that you would speak powerfully through your word this morning, divinely use and anoint my lips to deliver your eternal truth. And I pray that our lives would just be marked this morning by a radical encounter with the gospel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So quick backstory, this church that Paul is writing to in Colossae is of actually a fairly young congregation, and Paul's never even visited. He's never been to Colossae before. He's, he's never visited this Colossian church um, that's living in this like cultural and religious melting pot. But eventually this local citizen named Epaphras encounters Paul's gospel proclamation, and his life is radically changed. And soon after... Paul is, is in prison right now, okay? Epaphras actually comes to Paul to ask him, hey, how do I deal with this kind of stuff, okay? I'm a young pastor. I got a new church. You've been my partner in ministry for a while. Help me out here. What do I do, okay? And so Paul actually writes this letter and sends it back, um, Paul and Timothy. But basically... Um, what, what, what shatters Epaphras' Colossian lenses is this discovery that God did not him, keep himself separate from us as physical humans and hidden from us. Instead, God came to us in complete fullness, right? In bodily form. And if that's not surprising enough, what Paul's going to be saying is God does not dwell in some far-off realm. No, no, no. He dwells in his church. He dwells in believers, And so full of zeal, Epaphras starts this church. A lot of people try to join, and what they're doing, what he's noticing, is they're trying to fit Jesus into their just religious smorgasbord. It's like Jesus plus all of these other things. Jesus plus this. Jesus plus this. They wanted their life and then to add Jesus to it. Maybe that's going to be the thing that just completes whatever this is, right? Jesus plus. 
And the Colossian church is trying to live out the gospel message in this like religious plurality. And so, so Paul basically writes, he's like, we're proud of you. I've, heard of, I've never even visited you, and I've already heard about your faith. I've heard about your love. I've heard about the, the, the confident hope that you have, your faith, your hope, and your love. These things remain about you. And I've heard about it, and I'm so proud of you. Right? The gospel is bearing fruit in your life. People's lives are being changed just like your life was changed. Which, side note, here, this is just for free, verses 4 through 6, right? We've heard of your faith in Christ, your love for all of God's people, which comes, where does it come from? Where does that come from? Where does my faith and love for everybody else, what does that flow out of? comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Because you believe the gospel, this is transforming how you relate to people, right? You need to get this. A gospel hope motivates a great hospitality, okay? In other words, how I treat other people is a direct reflection of how I think God treats me. Notice this. If you're stingy with people, you probably don't think you've got an unlimited supply. If you're aggressive with people, you probably think you're relating to a divine judge, who does not have a whole lot of love, and so on and so forth. How I treat other people is a direct reflection of how I think God is treating me. Um, so a believed gospel actually produces a better love. A believed gospel produces a better love. Where he said, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You are living out the gospel. And because of that, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you're going to have, this is verses 9 through 11, a complete knowledge of God's will, spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you're going to live in a way that pleases and honors the Lord, produce good fruit with your life, that you'll be strengthened with all of God's glorious power and all the endurance and patience that you need. By the way, you can copy and paste and plagiarize this in your prayers over people. Please do that. If you're ever praying for me, I would love that you pray this over me. This would be amazing, right? Pray this over people. And he, and he finishes verse 12, he says, and we pray that you be filled with joy, right, because God has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Oh, I'm so proud of you, I'm praying for you. But before he hits the Colossian heresy head on, what he's going to do is set up the biggest trump card there is. And we're about to read some of the most glorious verses, words, phrases ever penned about Jesus Christ. Definitely in Colossians and probably the New Testament, if not the entire Bible. This is amazing. We're about to read some of these, and Paul's doing this for a reason. If you remember, they're in the middle of this subtle and deceptive notion that the matter's evil, that God can't come in contact with us, um, and so he just sends his spirits and his angels to interact with creation, even though he keeps his distance. And, and so we've got to find a way to break free of this darkness We've got to find a way to weaken our flesh and rid ourselves of the shackles of the darkness of this, excuse me, the darkness of this world so that we can be pleasing enough for our God to allow us into his presence. And what Paul's about to do is cut a stark line straight through that separation to say the one figure who is the very fullness of God, who makes a way in himself for us to be brought to God is actually here among us, and he's dwelling inside each one of us. God is not keeping his distance. He's the complete picture. Jesus is completely God. He makes a complete way to God. He makes us completely right with God. There is no alternative needed. He's it. Look at how Paul describes him. He says, 
for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He's done this and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who's purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I mean, come on. If you think about this, do you understand what he is saying to the Colossian church? Just right here. You don't need to do more rituals. You don't need to obtain more, more secret knowledge to get to God or to get him to send you a few more messages through his angels and his spirits so that you can be freed from the darkness of this world. No, no. Jesus cuts right through that. You don't need all of that. You have Christ. There's not this other thing that you need to add to your life to complete you. You have Christ. He's wrestled you from the darkness himself and given you full access to God. No special rituals are needed. And then he goes on. He, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God's not keeping himself distant. If you want to know what God looks, at, looks like, look at Christ. If you want to know how God acts and interacts with humanity, look at Christ. If you want to know how God feels, look at Christ. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, this is key, through Jesus, right? That's him. Through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see in the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen realm. Everything was created through him. Through who? Through, through Jesus if you go back and you read through Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that's just a news article about Je what Jesus was up to. That's Jesus. You look at the mountains, Jesus made it. You look at a sunset, painting of Jesus. In fact, the other day we were, we were looking out the window and uh, there was a sunset, maybe it was a sunrise, I forget, but, but one of my kids was like, oh, it's God's artwork. And it was really pretty. It's, it's Amazing, we were, um, they say that about the Northern Lights too, which they had a few chances this year to experience, which was really, really cool. Like, oh, it's God's artwork, it's literally what they call it. If any of you ask them, like, who made the Northern Lights, they'd be like, it's God's artwork. And it's more specifically, it's the artwork of Jesus Christ himself. Everything was created through him. And for him. Right, so why is that sunset so beautiful for Jesus? Why are there 60,000 different species and varieties of beetles for Jesus? Why does E-flat minor sound the way it does for Jesus? Like what's going on with this Costa Rican light roasted coffee and all of those flavor notes? It's for Jesus. Everything was created through him and for him. He's the point about it all. He's the reason it exists. It's all about him. And he existed before everything else. And he holds it all together. He holds all of his creation together. He's, he's been doing this for thousands of years. He didn't just create the world and send it spinning and go, all right, cool. I started a good thing. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but if you've been struggling to hold on in this season, you need to know this, that God has been holding you the whole time. 
He didn't just get you started and then send you on your way. You're not alone. You're not going to fall apart. The strong and loving hands that have been holding the universe together for thousands and thousands and thousands of years is holding you together. What matters so deeply to you, the burden that you've been carrying is not slipping through his fingers. He's been a father for a long, long time. He's he's been holding things together for a long time, and he's pretty good at it. He won't let you fall apart. And this is the thing that just blows me away. I think a lot of times people, it's not that they doubt the existence of God. It's that they doubt the goodness of God. Can I trust God with my hard things? And I, so I just keep reading and it just keeps blowing my mind that God is not just all-powerful, but he is present and loving. Check this out. We're not just talking about an out there somewhere God. If you look at verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Christ isn't just an expression of God. Christ is not just part of God. All of the fullness of God was present in Christ. And we've already established Jesus Christ was the one creating everything. So when I go back and read Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth, and I think in the uh, NLT it says something a little bit different. I got it right here. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. Okay, so I'm not just talking about this somewhere out there, God. Jesus was amazing. He literally, you look at the starry night, that was just a breath of Jesus. All of that glory and that power and that brilliance and that creativity is completely present in one man, Jesus Christ. When all the stars were flung into existence, when black holes and supernovas were invented, your mind's already blown just wait verse 20 and through him the star breather through him god reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means how 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 did he do this by means of christ's blood shed on the cross the star breather became the sin bearer. The star breather became my sin bearer. I mean, come on. The God who invented chocolate and tidal waves and supernovas entered a teenager's womb to walk through the struggle of humanity to bear all of God's wrath against my sin. 
and yours. The star breather became my sin bearer. I mean, this is how you know you're saved. If this gets you stirred up and excited and grateful, or maybe even a little tearful, and some courageousness and some fearlessness is starting to well up inside of you because of this. That's the Holy Spirit going, yes, he's the glorious one. He's the sufficient one. He chose you. He redeemed you. He rescued you. He made peace with you. And he's given purpose and clarity and meaning to every phase of your life. He's the one that makes your life complete. And he goes on. Oh, my word. How can you keep going? This in verse 23. So, Continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard about the good news. No, no, no. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And I'm even glad when I suffer in my body, suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body of the church. God's given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire, his complete message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. What's the secret? What's the special knowledge? What's the thing that all of the saints of the Old Testament had concealed from them, that they wanted to know what they didn't know. What's the mystery that's been hidden for generations? Paul doesn't say you need to get a special ritual, do some sort of special thing, go to a secret meeting to find it. He's like, no, I'm going to lay it out right here. Verse 27, for God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too, and this is the secret. You ready? Here's the secret. You don't need to go to a special meeting for this. You don't need to do some famous ritual or you know, find some guru to teach you that... Here's the secret. You ready? Here it is. Here it is. Christ is in you. And this gives you the assurance of sharing of glory. It's, it's, it's Christ in you which is the hope of glory. That's the secret. That's the secret. It, it's not that, that Jesus, you add him in, sprinkle a little Jesus into what your life already is. It's going to make it a little bit better. It's not that he supplements your efforts. It's not that your rituals and your, your incredible discipline finally got God's attention, so he sent you Jesus to finish the work. Like, oh, cool, you're so close. You did so much. I'm so proud of you. Let's cap it off with Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus and you. This is the great mystery now revealed. Here it is. It's Jesus in you. You see that switch? It is not Jesus and you. It is Jesus in you. That the star breather who became your sin bearer, this glorious Christ is in you. This is the hope of glory. You need to get this. Adam literally walked with God in the garden. And he didn't know this. Right? Abraham heard the voice of God, left his home thousands of miles away, saw God provide. He didn't know this. Joseph got all these visions and dreams from God, but he didn't know this. 
Esther was used by God to save the entire nation that birthed the Christ. And she didn't know this. David was so close to God that he was called a man after God's own heart. He didn't know this. Solomon had all of God's wisdom, more than any human has ever had. He didn't know this. Daniel saw angels shut the mouths of lions. Saw kingdom after kingdom crumble because of a prophecy of God. And he didn't know this. You are the ones God has entrusted this mystery with. His church are the ones bearing the divine mysteries of eternity, which is the gospel. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. This is where the glory is. The, the, the mystery of God's divine rescue mission is fulfilled in Jesus Christ and revealed through his people. God is not keeping himself distant until you clean yourself up and do enough to be accepted. No, no, no. God has entered your life and displayed his glory through the cracked and broken vessels of humans who he's redeemed for his own. Christ and his glory is the hope in your story. Verse 28, so we tell others about Christ. No, duh. What an obvious conclusion. Of course we proclaim this Christ. He's the hope of glory. This is the thing that offers completeness to anybody. If you're searching for an answer at the end of this year, it's Christ. We're warning everyone, teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us, we want to present them to God perfect, complete. That's the word, complete in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work so hard. That's why I go to bed exhausted. That's why I lay my head on the pillow and I fall immediately to sleep. Not because I'm working so hard to earn God's approval, but because I already know I've got an infinite supply of energy as Christ in me that's the hope of glory, and so I can use it all up today knowing there's more available tomorrow. I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So what am I left to do? There's at least three basic things I can't escape. Number one is this. Revere Christ. I think that's the obvious conclusion. Worship him, right? For who he is. For what he's done. The star breather became the sin bearer. So I owe it all to him. Worship is my gift to him. It's the thing I owe to him. It doesn't matter if I like the music or not. That's not worship. Worship is what comes from you. You get that? I hear some people say sometimes, man, I don't really like the worship there. It's like, well, then that's your fault. Because it should be coming from you. These people are just up here to facilitate that. You're the ones worshiping or not. Revere Christ. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter. what He's done it all. He's the one who's worthy. Regardless of life. And Paul is talking about being unjustly imprisoned right now. He's like, I'm, I'm working my butt off for Christ. Regardless of what happens to me and around me, regardless of how corrupt the government is that he's writing from, oh man, I'm, I'm going to worship Christ. Revere Christ. 
There is no higher purpose your life can have than to make him famous with your life. He did it all for you. What can I possibly withhold from him that he doesn't deserve? I don't know about you. But I want to get to the end of my life. And time keeps rolling on. And people eventually forget me. But the hope of glory shone brighter because of my life. I don't know where you stand with him. Maybe, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You're like, man, I, I, I'm trying to make this work the whole time. And I've searched after answer, after answer, after answer. Can I encourage you? Jesus is the answer that will make your life complete. He's the one who made you, and he made you on purpose for a purpose. There is divine design in your life. And it starts with, starts with revealing him and, and revering him. I want to give you the opportunity. Today is a good day to give your life to Jesus. You know, confess your own sinfulness. That you've been trying to make it work on your own. It's not working that great. Confess your sin to God. And, and submit to Jesus as Lord. He says you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from having to pay the consequences of your own sin on your own. He paid it for you when he bore your sin on the cross. The Bible says if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you'll be saved and be called a child of God and you'll be, have the hope of glory and Christ will dwell inside of you. So number one, we revere Christ. We put him in his proper place regardless of how I feel. Number two, we revolve around Christ. Nothing else will complete you. Turn to Jesus. It's not Jesus. We're not subscribed to the Jesus Plus channel. That was a joke. I, I appreciate the people who laughed. Thank you. We're not subscribed to Jesus Plus around here, right? It's Jesus Plus. Nothing that is everything. These other things are fine as long as they're minor improvements in my life, but you've got to realize the missing piece, the whole puzzle, the complete picture is Christ. Devote your life completely to Jesus and let everything you do revolve around him. This is what it means when Paul says, you must continue to believe the truth and stand firmly in it. Verse 23, that's what it means to do that. Why? Because he's the reason that your life exists. When, when your life revolves around Jesus Christ, not just adding him in as a part of your life, but your whole life revolves around Jesus. It starts to change your outlook. It starts to, your life starts to make sense. And you're like, man, I might have to change schools in order to make my life revolve around Christ. I might have to change jobs to make my life revolve around Christ. I might have to change my habits at home to make my life revolve around Christ. I might actually have to start leading my marriage if my life revolved around Christ. I might have to start taking, like, you see what I mean? Like your life might actually change. If it's revolving around Christ, because it's not revolving around you anymore. But can I tell you this? That's the life that makes sense. That's the life that matters. That's the life that makes a difference. That's the life that reveals the hope of glory. So number one, revere Christ. Number two, revolve around Christ. And finally, reveal Christ. We, we are the ones entrusted with the glories of of heaven. The saints of old did not know what we know. Frankly, the angels 
The Apostle Peter says this later. It's not part of what I wrote down, but the angels even are like leaning in to figure out what is this mystery revealed that God has delivered to you. This just slapped me in the face. I was studying this this week. You need to see this. Verse 28 says, So we tell others about Christ. The literal phrase uh, translated in the original language basically means to him we report. It, it means him we report or him we announce. Okay? Han hemes kata angelomen. But there's this intentional wordplay that had to hit me as I was reading through this. And I just want to try to maybe, maybe get a little bit more obvious here. Later in the letter, he's going to refute the claim that God needs to mediate, or that angels need to mediate God's special messages to you, right? If you curry more favor with angels, then, then God will send you more messages and reveal more secrets to you so you can get a little bit closer to God. Um, and, and when he refers to those, he calls them angelos. Does that sound like angels, right? Angelos. Angelos. But instead of agreeing that we need the angelos to deliver us special messages from God, Paul says, each of us who have received the gospel is a kata angelo. We're, we're the angelos. We're the sent ones given a special message. Like, do you see the wordplay just like switching around? He's like, okay, you're here in this broken, fallen humanity waiting for God's message to be revealed, his secret, his mystery to be revealed, and you're looking for an angel, but you don't realize you're the angel. You're the kata angelo. You're the one that God has revere, revealed this divine mystery to. Now you're the sent one. Stop waiting for some special thing to happen. God gave you the gospel. And it came and it changed your life, and he's saying this to the Colossian church. Like, and it's going to spread throughout you, and I've heard about it all the way down here. Like, keep doing that. Do you realize this broken and fallen world is not actually destroyed yet? God has not wiped away all the sin in the world. God has not ended all the evil and the suffering in the world. Why? Because the people causing it need time to repent. And guess who he gave the secret to? us we're the sent ones entrusted with the divine mysteries that the saints of old and even the angels have been yearning to know it's you it's me here's the point reveal the story of christ in you which is the hope of glory reveal the story of christ in you the hope of glory reveal the story of christ in you the hope of glory what is the hope for Walloon Lake? What is the hope for Petoskey? What is the hope for Boyne City? What is the hope for our counties, our northern Michigan, our governments? What is the hope? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The star breather became your sin bearer. He is now embodied in his people this year, in this place, and everywhere you go. So we revere Christ, we revolve around Christ, we reveal Christ. We reveal the story of Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the call of 2024. Let's pray.
Father, we recognize that it is an impossible mission to change the whole world on our own. We recognize it is futile and worthless in grasping the wind to make our lives have any sort of sense or completeness when we're just like keeping it the same, trying to add you to it and still revolve around ourselves. Jesus, give us a divine awakening, a, a holy um, 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 yearning to just be known by Christ and be known for Christ and, and to be found in him completely. I pray that you would reveal to us the things that are keeping us from that, Lord, that are holding us back, that are, that are, that are getting in the way of our lives being completed by Christ. And I pray that you would just open up our hearts and our minds, give us the strength to understand what is the height and the depth and the length and the width of the love of Christ and to know you personally and be radically transformed. I pray that that would be true of our lives and that as it is, that you would use us and send us to proclaim that glorious mystery to the world around us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.